You're listening to the Brookside Church Sermon Podcast. We're a progressive and inclusive community of faith in the heart of Morris County, New Jersey, reminding everyone that they are the beloved child of God. For more information, visit us online at brooksidechurch.org. Thanks, Karen. Our uh, second scripture lesson this morning is from John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. Hear now the word of our Lord. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I've said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I've called you friends because I've made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in, his, in my name. I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I think this passage sometimes gets confused. Sometimes think that it turns into a magic book. It's telling you how to get all the answers to the questions. If you do these things, then this will happen. It's almost as if you, if you obey my commandments, then I'll give you a treat. Right? So if you obey my commandments, then I'll make sure that things come fruitful for you. But I think it's a little more complicated than that and a lot more realistic. I think it's that, you know, if you want to grow a garden, you have to go out and till the soil. And then you plant the seeds, and then you make sure that the weeds are gone. And there's certain things that if you want to cultivate a garden, you have to spend time doing. It's not that you're rewarded for the work that you do. It's that it's a natural process. And if you engage in the way that things are supposed to be and learn and work together with the earth, the earth will take care of you. I think that that's the same part of what the covenant relationship with God looks like. But here's the thing about covenants. That's one of those words that we use in religious circles that people pretend that they know what they mean, and they really don't. They really don't have any idea what they mean. And most of us that think that we know, we spend time looking at it and we're like, you know, I didn't really know what that word meant. Most of the time, many of us think the word covenant is like a contract. But it's, it's not exactly. Um, sometimes in secular circles, you know, contract and covenant become synonymous. But I want to challenge you this morning. Think of like a marriage. What if we thought of marriages like contracts? I mean, before you get married, instead of coming to a priest and then talking about what, what changes this is going to make in your life, um, you sat down with lawyers and you went through paperwork and tried to figure out what the fine print looked like. And then someone else told you, ah, just sign the thing already. Right? If that were what marriages were. Or maybe uh, you, you think like me and you're in my generation and when you hear contract you think of those dialogue boxes that come up on your screen that say yes or no. And you say yes I read this and then it says no you didn't. You have to actually open the thing up and scroll down to the very bottom. But everyone knows no one reads them. Right? Uh, but if marriages were like contracts maybe it would be like uh, hey honey you didn't wash the dishes today. Um, you're falling behind on your contract. Maybe we need to 
renegotiate this and I'm going to get a better settlement at the end. Or maybe it's time to just break the contract. But marriages are not like contracts because contracts are about a give and take exchanges of property or service. Covenants actually change the people who enter them. See, contracts are about a relationship of give and take, a mutual exchange, but covenants are about the kind of people we will, we will become together. When you enter into a covenant of marriage, then the two people now decide that for the rest of their life, they're going to be together and that their lives are going to be shaped with each other. One important difference between covenants and contracts is that contracts can be broken and dissolved. Covenants are not they can be broken, they can be violated, but they're not so easily dissolved. In fact, actually think of divorce and the changes that that happens to people, what affects the effect that it has on children. And still, after many years, you still have a connection with someone that you may have had a divorce from, right? It's covenants change who we are. They change our relationship with each other. I'm talking about covenants today because I want to in, invite you to think about the world in terms of a covenant with God. This is actually goes to the very heart of our identity as the United Church of Christ. Now, some of you may have entered the UCC from other denominations. Maybe you've never had this conversation, but covenant is actually at the heart of our tradition. As we, as we are as a people, covenant was part of what gave the framework for us to think about what we would be when we got started doing this. In 1957, and then all those denominations that existed before we all got together. Covenants. So I want to ask you to think about covenant in terms of the, the creation in our relationship with God. In the Bible, covenant is one of these words that's used all throughout Scripture. And if you look at the story, you can actually understand the story of God in, in terms of covenants that God makes with people. God made a covenant with Abraham, and God made a covenant with Noah that there would not be a flooding of the earth. And then God made a covenant with Abraham. And what happens with Abraham? You get a new people, right? You get a nation. And God says in Genesis 12, if those who bless you, I will bless. And those who curse you, I will curse. And the whole world is going to be blessed through you. God made a covenant with Abraham to turn Abraham and his descendants into a people. Covenants change who you are. They just, it's a relationship that actually determines your identity together. And then uh, after Abraham, there was Moses. And God freed all the Israelites out of Egypt. And God made a covenant with Moses and said, I will be your people and you will, I will be your God and you will be my people. And together we're going to do something great. But if you want to live out the terms of this covenant, there's some things that I expect of you. It doesn't mean that if you decide not to do those things that our contract can be over. It's a covenant. You're going to be my people whether you want to be or not. And that's uh, if you look and read any kind of Jewish philosophy or theology, you'll find out that that's a primary concept for most Jewish thinkers, is to wrestle with what it means to be God's people, even if you don't want to be. Most of us Christians feel like we have the freedom to come and go whenever we want to. But the covenant identity, see, it, uh, it, it, sets a, it, it marks you. It makes an identity of who you are. You are God's people because someone made this covenant with God. Then after Moses, then there was a covenant that God made with David. So you can read all throughout Scripture and find that God has made covenants with people to help people realize who they were created to be. I think of it this way, that God made a covenant with people 
Because God created the creation for a particular purpose. That creation would live and thrive as a peaceful community. The, all of the prophets, they had these various different sayings. And one of the sayings was that God was making a covenant of peace in Isaiah and Ezekiel. God was making with earth a covenant of peace. But in order to make that covenant with creation, God had to do something in order to make creation, give creation some way to be taken care of, to live into this peace. And so God created a people and gave them the purpose that their job was to help creation be at peace. So then when you find, read through scripture from that lens, you realize that the whole notion of a covenant with Noah and Abraham and Moses and David, all of these covenants were just God's attempt to initiate a covenant with creation to help creation live in peace. If I hope I'm not boring you, I'm going to try to end this really quickly. But here's, here's the point that I'm making is, is that when we as a people enter in with covenant with God to become part of a people that God has created, we are choosing to mark our identities as a part of this relationship that God has made with the world to create this covenant of peace with the world that we get to participate in that shapes who we understand ourselves to be. We are a covenant people participating in God's covenant with the world, a covenant of peace. Now, the language of a covenant of peace, if you've been in any Quaker circles, that's a very common phrase that Quakers use, come from the prophetic tradition, but it's synonymous with a lot of other words that we use that are somewhat related. Sabbath and the notion of Sabbath rest. In Hebrews, it says, the book of Hebrews, it says, there will be a day when the earth will rest, a Sabbath rest. And we're hoping that you're going to be able to participate in that. That's a covenant of peace. There's the whole notion of jubilee. God calls the people of Israel every so often to exchange properties and start back from scratch because the world should be a place for everyone to flourish. Jubilee, Sabbath, this covenant of peace. In the New Testament, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is this initiation that Jesus was bringing about to help the world be what God created it to be, a covenant of peace. And we have been called as a covenant people to participate with that. So I'm moving away from here now so that you know I'm starting a conversation with you. One of the things that you should hear me say today is that I don't think us as a congregation have really done our best to participate in this covenant that God has made with us. And so you might ask, well, what would it look like if we were to fully engage and participate in this covenant with God? Well, one thing is, is we're part of a covenanted tradition. If you know much about the United Church of Christ, You'll know, I had this conversation with Hope at one time, one of the most sacred words in the UCC is autonomy, right? Everyone, every individual has a freedom of personal conscience. What makes us different than other denominations or other traditions? Well, we want you to think for yourself. We're not going to tell you the answers. We want, I can tell you what my answer is, but I want you, we believe that God wants you to work it out for yourself, to have a freedom to make sense of the world for yourself. The problem with autonomy is that people think that that means they can do whatever they want to. Right? You have autonomy, so just do whatever you want to. Nobody's going to say anything, but that's not the way it works with us. We think autonomy only works faithfully in the context of covenant. You see? You're in a covenant relationship with us. You can exercise your autonomy, but you have made a commitment to be in a relationship with me. 
with us. We're in a relationship trying to figure out how to do this faithfully. And so if you say that you're going to be in covenant with us, then that means autonomously, on your own, you're going to do the work. You're going to wrestle with all the questions. You're going to try this stuff out on your own, and then we're going to come back together and see what that looks like. Like a marriage. Now, I know that in some marriages, the, and even today in the Washington Post, there's an article about a Southern Baptist minister who was talking about how a husband abuses his wife. You know, maybe that's a... Maybe that's a, an excuse for God to bring the husband back to the church. Right? There are, is bad theology out there. There are lots of people who use things like marriages as a way of, of promoting oppression. But if you think like I do, the marriage is a, a relationship between two equal partners. And I can't just tell my wife how things are. I have to faithfully listen to her. If I want to be a good husband, I have to listen to my wife's needs. I have to pay, and when she says something's important, I have to make it important to me, whether I want to or not. And then wrestle with it, and then come back and we have a conversation and decide together where we're going to go. That's the only way that marriages, I think, are healthy, is when together you're operating as partners, right? So if we're in covenant relationship with the UCC, then we understand all the other congregations here in our area that are UCC congregations, we should be exploring things together about our community. We're in covenant partnership with them. We, yes, we can make our own decisions and act autonomously. Nobody's going to tell us what to do, but we take things together and say, how can we do this more faithfully together? And then when churches come together, that's called an association. So associations have meetings. They make decisions together. They don't make decisions for us, but they make decisions with us. We're in covenant partnership with them. Most of the association meetings over the last few years, we haven't had people attend them. Right? Why? Well, because we're an autonomous congregation who doesn't really understand the notion of covenant. Right? Other people make decisions, and we just kind of go along with it, rather than really engaging. So today, I want to invite you into a particular conversation for us to have as a congregation which starts at the UCC's theological identity, the, the identity of the United Church of Christ at its heart. In 1985, the UCC came up with two resolutions that were central to our understanding as a denomination. One of them was the open and affirming resolution, which said that this was our identity, the way that we were going to understand how we relate to particular justice issues, specifically around LGBTQ community. We were not just going to say, you're welcome here, but we were going to affirm you and say, you're not just welcome here, but you're a beloved member of our community. And we're going to work on trying to make sure that that happens. Well, the UCC made that decision, but it's up to each congregation as a part of covenant that autonomously enters into a conversation and wrestles with it to try to figure out what does this mean for us? And then if you decide to go with it, you come up with your own resolution as a congregation and then live into that identity. You see how that covenant process works? Well, the other one in 1985, along with the open and affirming one, was just peace. So the just peace resolution was at the heart of the theological identity of our denomination, telling us that there was this covenant that God made with creation, and God is inviting us to participate in it. So, now, I want to give you a chance to participate in that. And that's what we're going to do the rest of the time in the day. 
So I hope I haven't bored you with this notion of covenant. Maybe you'll walk away today thinking a little bit more about what that means for us as a congregation. But I've given you a uh, handout in your bulletin. And what I want you to do for the next 10 minutes, uh, and we'll try not to make it more than 10 minutes because we've got some other things to do today in our service. But for the next 10 minutes, what I want to ask you to do is find a partner. And remember, we've got visitors today, so please don't leave them on their own. Look around and try to find and make sure someone is engaging in this conversation. I have already answered the first three questions for you, but if you, it would be good for you to refresh for yourself if you understood what I said. The last question is the question I'm really asking you to spend your time on. It says, how does God call Brookside Community Church to serve in love as people of peace through our relationship with God, one another, as a family of believers? And uh, so as you ask that, I will go ahead and make sure I don't forget to tell you. I brought a few copies of the Just Peace Resolution that the UCC made in 1985. And one thing about covenants are it's not like contracts, you just do it once. Covenants have to be renewed regularly. You have to like take your husband or wife out to dinner to really kind of explore where you are in a relationship. That's what happens with covenants, right? So if you would like to read this, you can pick one up um, on your way out. Or if there's not enough, I will make some more copies. But we'll be having this conversation all throughout May. We get together with your partner, and you've got 10 minutes. And uh, look at these questions again. Go.